Hey everyone, welcome back to the Kaderna podcast. I'm Brian Kaderna. So I know you're sick and tired of hearing about inflation. I think we all are. It's dominated headlines for practically 18 months now. But today I'm going to answer a really big question that I don't think has been asked enough. And hopefully this can kind of help us put a bow on it. And that question is, why does the Federal Reserve have a target inflation rate of 2%? All right, so just yesterday, July 12th, the Bureau of Labor Statistics came out with the latest CPI reporting. Again, that's the Consumer Price Index, which is widely recognized as the quote-unquote inflation rate. So the report showed as of June that inflation was running at about 3%. All right, so that's the lowest figure we've seen in quite some time. A very welcome news. We've seen just in the past day and a half that the stock market certainly appreciated that. The American people, I'm sure, appreciated seeing that uh, cost of living are finally slowing down. And also the, the Fed. I mean, that's been their number one job. Their public enemy number one has been inflation. And they're seeing that those aggressive rate hikes they've been doing are actually working. You know, the proof is in the pudding. Just for context, don't forget this time last year when we got the reading for uh, June of 2022, that number was 9.1%. All right, so inflation three times higher just a year ago versus where it is today. But Fed Chairman Jerome Powell just last month told House lawmakers that inflation, and this is a quote, inflation has moderated somewhat since the middle of last year. Nonetheless, inflation pressures continue to run high and the process of getting inflation back down to 2% has a long way to go. So there it is, that 2% number. So as we've gotten this very informal, formal education on inflation over the past year and a half, let's go to that number. Let's examine that 2%. Is going to require work and time and sweat and toil. If money wasn't an issue, what would I be doing? Don't worry about it. You'll figure it out. Change is the only constant. The Kadena Podcast. So the Fed has a dual responsibility, all right? One of those jobs that the Fed is tasked with is maximizing employment. And we've seen a very strong labor market, all right? So that's something that the Fed has not had to worry very much about over the past 18 months or so. The other job that the Fed has is to monitor price stability, right? That is inflation, deflation, everything that we've been talking about that's been hogging the headlines over the past year and a half. So again, back to 2%, why is that kind of the bogey that we're aiming after that we seem to still be uh, too high above, even if just by 1% now? So in 1996, during a Fed meeting, then chairman Alan Greenspan explained the role of inflation in price stability. He said, and I quote, it's that state in which expected changes in the general price level do not effectively alter business and household decisions. In other words, they wanted to come up with a rate that could just easily be baked into just the natural progression of inflation, but such that year to year, the American people, households, business owners would almost not notice it. They wouldn't have to alter their financial plans and have some sort of shock that, wow, the prices of X, Y, and Z have gone up so much, but rather it's just at a slow, moderate 2% that they don't need to really worry so much about in their everyday decision-making. It was around that time in the mid-90s 
that this unspoken target inflation rate of 2% was informally adopted, we'll say. But since then, obviously, it has become a bit more formal, and not just here in America. Right? The Bank of Canada, the Bank of Japan, the Bank of England, the European Central Bank, and Sweden's Risk Bank, they all maintain a 2% target as well. So this has now become a bit of an international standard um, for central banks to really go after. So again, where did it come from? Where, where's kind of the history of this? Now, there's not a definitive point in time where the world said 2% is the right inflation rate, but many economists point to a gentleman by the name of Don Brash. He was the former governor of the Reserve Bank of New Zealand. And in 1989, he did create a target, a goal of 2%. All right, at that time, New Zealand was coming off of an inflation rate of 15%. It was crushing their country and their people. And so Brash's team knew that they had to get that rate down. And as inflation began to fall and went down to 10% and 8%, and everyone kept saying, you know, are we down? Are we far enough down? And he kept saying, no, we have more work to do. Eventually, he said enough is enough. And his team came up with a 2% target that they would not stop their battle against inflation until they hit 2%. And since that time, uh, folks on Don Brash's team have gone out to say that the 2% goal wasn't, quote, ruthlessly scientific. It was there really just to establish an expectation. And so since then, other central banks have obviously followed. And long after this 2% target was kind of in vogue, America formally adopted it when then for, uh, former chairman of the Federal Reserve, Ben Bernanke, in 2012, said that 2% would be the official target rate. So we know it's 2%. And are we going to keep it there is kind of the next question as we're having our first real battle with inflation in almost four decades. All right. So earlier this year, uh, our current Fed chairman, Jerome Powell, was asked that question that would we ever consider changing the target rate? And he said, and I quote, we're not considering that. We're not going to consider that under any circumstances. All right, so let's just kind of play in the hypothetical. Why don't we maybe lower it and say, let's have an even more ambitious goal of 1%? Or why don't we possibly raise it just to 3%, which has historically been the average inflation rate? So the arguments on both sides, let's take a look at them. We know the argument for a lower inflation rate, you know, at 2% or even to go lower to 1% or zero, uh, that that would be very ambitious in the sense that that's pure price stability. People year to year wouldn't have to really notice any erratic changes there if they were to achieve that target. However, the argument on the flip side of what if we went higher to a 3% or a 4% target rate or just removed it entirely and just kind of let inflation flow. All right. The argument for that is that when we have a higher target and we're heading into a recession or a slowed down economy, that would essentially give the Fed more room, more wiggle room to say, okay, we can cut rates further and have a, a larger impact in really spurring the economy in increasing, you know, the, the wealth in motion, the lending and everything else through a reduced interest rate. All right, so lower costs of lending and just putting more and more money into the economy. All right, so that's the argument where if it was higher, then wouldn't it's almost like we're setting ourselves a an easier goal to achieve right now. And then also in downtimes, 
where the economy is slow, they, in theory, have more ammunition, ammunition at their disposal. However, if we start to just say, let's have a higher rate at 3%, 4%, or just let it float, then the people, business owners, households might have to get more accustomed to seeing the cost of living rising at a rate in which it would not be negligible, as Alan Greenspan said you know, so long ago. Now we would start to see rates going up quickly uh, you know, because we have essentially a lower bar to hit. All right. Furthermore, if we said, you know, well, what if we were at a 1% rate then or a 0% or we said we'll stay at 2% just because those seem to be nice low numbers that don't shock us year to year. All right. Central banks in Europe, Scandinavia and Japan have all used negative interest rates when they have been in the midst of a recession or an economic slowdown. All right. So the same concept of to encourage more spending in the economy and less saving uh, by actually having negative interest rates. So once you see that, you know, it almost becomes a, a game of smoke and mirrors at that point where you might say, well, if we're going into negative interest rates, how is it different to go from 2% to 0% versus 0% to negative 2%? Is that not the same effect? And in many respects, it may be the same outcome. It might just be optics at that point of having to actually adopt a negative interest rate and some of the negative connotations, no pun intended, that would go along with that. So by now, with all of this data that, that we're digesting right, right now, I think there's a follow-up question, uh, which you may have, and, and I know that I've had it, and, and a lot of other people have kind of brought it up, that if the layperson out there wants to kind of throw a, a question to really a, a brain buster to the economists, they would say, what would happen if economic stimulus packages, all right, let's say we just gave a dollar to every single person out there across the board, or if we gave $100 to every single person out there, all right, or conversely, if we gave everyone across the board a 5% raise or a 5% pay cut, are they any richer or poorer for this change? And in general, the answer is no, okay? When we allow that all to kind of work itself through the economy, we see that currency is just a measure of relativity, okay? So if people are used to a 6% sustained inflation that suddenly raises to 7%, would it not then be a lesser shock from 2% inflation that doubles to 4%, all right? And it's kind of the same thing of, like I said, cutting interest rates from two to zero versus zero to negative 2%. And we start to see really, it's not so much about the 2% being that like a magical number that we need to hit, that we found the silver bullet in economics. It's more about the target that we have and that we have a defined expectation. And so the value is more on transparency and communication of the Fed goal, rather than saying we have the correct target rate. So in closing, that's how I would leave it for today and say it's not necessarily that 2% is right. It's that the target is right. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Kaderna podcast. I'm your host, Brian Kaderna. Be sure to subscribe wherever you're listening or watching. Please leave us a review. And I can't wait to see you next time.
This podcast is intended for the general public and for informational purposes only. The show does not provide any recommendations or investment advice regarding any specific account type, service, strategy, or product, or to otherwise act in any fiduciary or other capacity. Please contact a financial professional for guidance and information that is specific to your situation. Brian Kaderna does not provide tax or legal advice. Please contact your accountant or legal advisor to discuss your situation. Guest speakers and their firms are not affiliated with or endorsed by Park Avenue Securities, Guardian, or Kaderna Financial Team, and opinions stated are their own. All investments contain risk and may lose value. Past performance is not a guarantee of future results. References to specific securities, asset classes, and financial markets are for illustrative purposes only and do not constitute a solicitation, offer, or recommendation to purchase or sell a security. Brian Kaderna is a registered representative and financial advisor of Park Avenue Securities, LLC, PAS, OSJ, 300 Broadacres Drive, Suite 175, Bloomfield, New Jersey, 07003, phone number 973-244-4420. Securities products and advisory services offered through PAS, member FINRA, SIPC, financial representative of the Guardian Life Insurance Company of America, Guardian, New York, New York. PAS is a wholly owned subsidiary of Guardian. Kaderna Financial Team is not an affiliate or subsidiary of PAS or Guardian. California Insurance License Number 0K04194.